Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 10. We're going to be looking simply at verses 5 through 7. Now what you need to know is that Israel had begged God for a king. They felt they needed a king. Now God had always been their king, but they wanted an earthly king because they wanted to be like everybody else. And God warned them, you know, if you want to be like everybody else, you're going to be like everybody else. Uh, I hear this sometimes from young people. Well, it's not fair. I want to just be like, like everybody else. Well, stop and look at what everybody else deals with and tell me if that's really what you want. And God said to them, that's not what you want. This is what a king will do. A king will rule over you. A king will exact taxes. A king will make decrees. A king will, well, you know, you've seen it before. It's the political season after all. Make promises that they won't keep. And certainly, uh, this is what the Israelites were in for. But they continued to beg. And so God said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. And he, he chose a man named Saul to be king. And Saul was a, a young man who was on his way looking for some lost donkeys. And as he's looking for some lost donkeys, someone said, hey, there's a, a prophet in this land. You should go talk to him. He can tell you where your donkeys are. So they went to the seer, the prophet. The prophet was Samuel. And as he approached Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel, this is the man. This is the man. My guess is Samuel was saying, really? (laughs) Okay, Lord. So he meets with Saul, and he begins to prepare Saul, and he anoints Saul. And then he gives Saul some instructions. Some things are going to happen to you, Saul, he says. And as these things happen, God will use you in a powerful way. And in verse 5 of chapter 10, we read, After that you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. Don't change that yet. Uh, go back. I, I just want you to look at this closely. If you, if you have your Bibles, look at this really closely. If you don't have your Bible open, just look, look up at what it says there. This is what's going to happen to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. And you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. Verse 7 reads, and once again, these signs are, and once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Well, today is that incredible day, the day of Pentecost. And you may have heard of Pentecost in the past, and Pentecost is usually in the Christian tradition uh, the the remembrance of the day when the Spirit of God came upon the church. But you have to understand that the Spirit of God came upon the church on Pentecost. 
Pentecost already existed. It wasn't that the Spirit of God came upon the church and we called it Pentecost. No, uh, Pentecost was a festival of the Hebrew people. And this festival came 50 days after uh, Passover. Hence, Penta, like, you know, five, yeah. So, Penta meaning five, or in this case, 50. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And it was a celebration of the harvest, but it was also, if you know anything about Hebrew festivals, they, had, they always had two components. They had an a, a, uh, agricultural component, and they had a spiritual component. And the spiritual component for Pentecost was the receiving of the law at Mount Sinai. And that happened three months after they left uh, they left Egypt, and they began the celebration of Passover. You remember the story of Passover? If you don't, uh, read, read Exodus. <clears throat> read all of Exodus. Good stuff. Um, but in Exodus, you, you'll see that story where the death angel passed over. So here they are. They've made their way to Mount Sinai. They get to Mount Sinai, and God gives them the law. You remember that? Moses goes up on the mountain. You remember that? And, and he receives the law, and they make covenant with God, where God says, these are the things I ask you to do. Ten things. Big whoop de doo Ten things. And yet, in the midst of those ten things, they can't even do ten things that God wants them to do. Uh, should I say, we can't even do ten things that God asks us to do. And so God also gave them the tabernacle as a way to repent of their sins and show them that, that He still has mercy upon them. And in that process, God chose the people of Israel again. And I say again because you remember God chose Abraham before that. And now God is reigniting His relationship with His people. These are His people. He has chosen them. So when we get to Pentecost, the disciples are, in, are meeting together for the Feast of Pentecost. They're enjoying, remembering how God had called the people of Israel His people. And then remembering that God had sent Jesus, and they had had this experience with Him, and it had been awesome. And here, in the midst of that celebration, God sends His Spirit upon them. And in so doing, once again says, you're mine. You are my people. And they begin, you remember that story, right? They begin to talk in all those different languages. It was so incredible as they walked out into the street and ran into people from all over the world who had come to the Feast of Pentecost. Devout people, people who were seeking God, and they were able to share the good news of Jesus Christ to them in their own language. How awesome is that? God chose them. And according to 2 Corinthians, God has chosen he continues to choose His people, and He does what? He sends His Spirit as a seal of ownership, a guarantee, as it were, a deposit, um, saying the promise will be fulfilled in your life. You are my people. You are the people of God. If you've asked Jesus to come into your life, 
if you've asked Him to forgive your sin, if you've asked Him to come and begin the transformation of your life, He lives within you. His Spirit dwells within you. That's an incredible gift. And He has chosen you. That gift is proof. The gift of the Spirit is proof that He has chosen you. And you begin to see that in your life as you begin to experience the Spirit of Pentecost, which is the Spirit of chosenness, which is the Spirit coming into your life and transforming you. It's a spiritual transformation. Now, in between... In between the meeting at Sinai and the day of Pentecost when the New Testament church receives the Spirit of God, the Spirit was still active. The difference is the Spirit of God came and went. The Spirit of God would come upon someone to reveal that that person is chosen by God. Chosen for leadership, chosen for ministry, chosen to make a difference among the people. And that person would be, would be revealed through the Spirit of God transforming them. Hence, when we get to our passage this morning, what happens? Here is Saul. He's been anointed as king. He was simply a young man running after some donkeys. I mean, you got to get the image here. Saul wasn't some guy that you'd look to and say, well, now there, that guy should be king. He was some guy who was chasing donkeys. And yet that's the one that God chooses, and God begins a spiritual transformation in his life. Now, we read verse 6 twice, right? We read verse 6 twice, because in verse 6, you begin to see the spiritual transformation that takes place in Saul's life. And it's the spiritual transformation that God wants to make in your life. You see, God has chosen you. You're not here this morning by coincidence. You're here because God has called you here. You say, well, no, I just came because so-and-so invited me, or, you know, it was snowing and I didn't have anything else to do. I thought, I thought I'd come to church. You know, weather outside is frightful. Uh, no, that's not the case at all. You are here, believe it or not, God has called you here this morning. I don't, I, I don't know what your situation was in getting here, but God has called you. Because God wants to send His Spirit into your life to transform you. So that when you leave this morning, you're not the same as when you came in. The Spirit of God is present where God's people gather. And where God's people gather, the Spirit of God begins to transform God's people. So let me start at the beginning. Because if you really want to experience a transformation, if you're tired of life the way it's been or the way it is, then you have to begin by submitting to Jesus and and accepting His gift of forgiveness and the gift of His Spirit. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe and I accept what You have done for me and I want You to come into my life. And He will begin to do that. 
it's a powerful moment that will begin that transformation. Now, some of you are saying, well, I did that years ago, and, uh, and so I, I saw that happen back then. I, I saw some changes in my life. But, you know, of late, you know, things are pretty, pretty the same. Well, let me encourage you this morning. One of the gifts of Pentecost is to remind ourselves that we are God's chosen people. And because we are God's chosen people, He is in the business of transforming us to be like Him. As a matter of fact, according to the Scriptures, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's pretty exciting. Because, you see, I usually take a couple steps forward, and then I feel like I take three steps back, and I'm thinking, how am I getting any closer to being like Jesus? Well, here's the good news. Jesus takes my two steps that are small and dinky, and he transforms me in them. And then when I take three steps back, I realize this isn't what I want to do. This isn't who I want to be. And he begins that process of transformation again. So let's look at that process real quickly, how God is transforming you and transforming me. First of all, I want you to see that if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God lives within you. I want you to think about that. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Almighty God. The God of the universe. The God who, with the Word, created the world. The God who, in great power and, and majesty, uh, formed you and me. And that, that God who has all authority over all power, uh, even, even the power of the presidency of the United States. This God who is above all now has come to live within your life. Now, shouldn't that make a difference in how you live? We just sang the song, Emmanuel, God is with us. And if God is with us, how's that go? Who could stand against us? Is that the way you live? What was that? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'm with you. Sometimes that's the way I live. I believe that God is all-powerful, that all things are in His hand, that He has the power until I face the situation where I struggle with, well, wait a minute, God, why and how? Do you get there? You ever get there with me? As the Spirit of God comes upon us, we begin to see that God's power is great and He is still at work. And we can begin to be transformed by that power. I sometimes look at it, well, and so God says that He has testified to your salvation by signs, wonders, and various miracles. I know these things happen in your life every day. So you're sitting there saying, yeah, I've seen signs every day, wonders every day, miracles every day, and I've seen the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I hope and pray that you can say those words in truth. That you are living every day believing that the power of the Almighty God is at work in your life and you're seeing His power at work every day. 
You see, when we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, His power begins to give us strength, and we begin to see miraculous things happen in our life. Now, you have to be open to those things because people will tell you that they're coincidences, that those things only happen by chance. But as you begin to proclaim them as works of God in your life, you'll begin to see His power at work in your life. I like to look at it like electricity. God's electricity is a lot greater than ours, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is watch a thunderstorm. It's like, wow, did you see that? And the power of that, that lightning bolt that comes down. And yet we have learned how to take that electricity and put it to work in our lives. A number of years ago, uh, when Rebecca was doing her science project, I had this great idea. You see, when I was a kid, I had done this science project where we built an electric motor, and I thought it was really cool. And so I talked Rebecca into doing an electric motor for her science project. And, and we, we got it all. Uh, there was a metal rod that went through a, a wooden rod, and you take the wire and wrap it around. I know about this much about electricity, okay? Uh, but uh, it was cool. It was neat. You could put the battery on it, and the thing would spin. So we got it all set up, and we put the battery on it, and the thing would only go a little ways. I'm like, oh, man. And of course, uh, my vast knowledge of electricity, I said, we got to find someone who understands this stuff. So we, we found Mike. You remember this, Mike? You don't remember this? Well, we found Mike. I, I can't remember if he came to our house or we, I think he, you came, he came to our house, right? He came to our house. And, and we're looking at this thing and it's flipping back and forth, but it's not spinning. It's just going back and forth a little bit. And Mike says, I know what the problem is. He says, doesn't have enough power. Now, when I was a kid, they always taught you, you know, you know those electrical outlets, you know, you're not supposed to put anything in those. That's, that's what I was always taught. But, but I, and I was new to the Bartlett clan. I, if, if, I, if I had been around them a little more often, I would have realized that this might not be the best plan. But anyway, Mike says, we need more power. So he shoves the, the, the wires into the electric outlet. And kaboom! We had power. But it didn't make the motor spin any faster. Well, lots of power. But it didn't change what we were trying to accomplish. It wasn't... Uh, well, then we went to Jeff and, you know, started down the brothers. <laughs> uh, and uh, thought, well, Jeff's an electrician. He might have a little better idea of what's going on here. In the end, what we finally figured out is that we had run the wires wrong on the bolt that went through the wooden rod. Now, if you don't understand anything about electricity, just know that we had run the wires wrong. And because we had run those wires wrongly, um, the, the electricity was not able to flip that around. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because I believe the same is true in our lives. Our God is a powerful God. And He has incredible power that He wants to use in your life. But you have to be willing to run the wires the right way. And running the wires the right way means being open to His Spirit and looking for His direction and being willing to follow His Word. 
even when it doesn't make sense. And that's what's so amazing about our, our Almighty God. He doesn't make sense the way we think things should happen. It's amazing. I constantly go through things in my life and I think, God, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did the other thing happen? And as time goes on, sometimes I look back and I say, oh, I get it now. You see, he, he has a plan, and His plan is powerful and life-transforming. But you have to be open to that plan. If you walk the other way, it's like putting uh, the wires in the electrical outlet. It's just going to blow up in your face. People say to me all the time, I don't get it. I, I put my trust in God. I tell God I want to do His, His will, and, and nothing ever happens. God never does great things in my life. My question to you is, well, are you following his word or are you going your own way? And most people, what I discover is, they still want to do it their way. They want the Almighty God to be at work in their lives as long as God is doing what they want to do. Does that sound odd to you? No, it sounds normal to me. Because that's what happens in my life. God, this is what I want. So I'm glad your spirit is within me. This is the way we're going. As long as you do that, you won't be transformed by the Spirit of God. But as you begin to submit to the will of God and follow His Spirit, He will begin to transform you by His power. Great things will happen. Great things will happen. And you will see His order and His wonder and His might. So if you really want spiritual transformation, you have to submit to the power of the Almighty God. Follow his way. The second thing I want you to see is that God calls us to prophesy. He has a message, a message, and he wants to give us that message and he wants us to share that message. Now, all this happens, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the midst of worship. In the midst of worship. Some people say to me, well, I don't need to go to worship because I can worship at home. I love the people that say to me, I, I go out in the great outdoors and I worship. And I get it. I get out there and, you know, I worship and I shoot the bird and I worship. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I can get out there. I can experience God out there. But that's not what worship is about. Worship is about hearing from God. And sharing God's Word. Hearing from God and sharing God's Word. We call it prophecy. So when you're out there, you may be experiencing God, but you aren't filled with worship because if you get a message from God, who are you going to share it with? God's messages are for each of us, not just for you. Did you know that? Uh, I read a, an interesting um a uh, little blurb on Facebook the other day, uh, connected to a song. It had nothing to do with the song. But this little girl says, I'm 11 years old, and I've known Jesus for 11 years. I thought that was cute. <clears throat> and she said, the other day in worship, I was sitting next to a lady who was crying, and I felt that God wanted me to tell her that God was going to meet her need and walk with her. And as she cried, another lady came up and began to talk to her and discovered that she was 
concerned about a loved one who wasn't there that morning and who was uh, deeply hurt. And, and there was a lot of brokenness there. And the little girl says, and I sat there and I thought Jesus wanted me to say something to her. She says, but I didn't. And now, for an 11-year-old, this is a big word, and now I regret that. And I thought, what's neat, and of course the, the, the messages after that were all affirming. God is going to do great things through you, young lady, because He's already speaking to you. You see, in, in worship this morning, God may have said something to you, and it might not just be for you. It might be for the person sitting next to you or the people, person across the congregation, the Spirit of God comes and begins to speak to us. And it's not just for us, it's for each other. And we should be about prophesying. We don't talk about prophecy much anymore because we always think that prophecy was this whole idea that, that you told something that was going to happen in the future. Well, you know, if I were to prophesy that, you know, you're going to be a millionaire in three years, you know, hey, that's the kind of prophecy we want. But that's not what prophecy is all about. Prophecy is God speaking to you and you sharing that with someone else. And He does that through His Word. And it'd be great for you to share with just one other person this morning that God loves them unconditionally and that you're willing to take a few minutes to pray with them and just reaffirm in their lives that God loves them no matter what's happened in their lives because the Spirit of God has spoken to you the power and the grace of His love and His mercy we need to be about prophesying because we are created to worship. And that's what worship is all about. And when we begin to prophesy, things begin to happen. We begin to change. We begin to change. I, I loved it when, when we went through uh, um, the Billy Graham crusade and, and Donna Shaw. Donna Shaw became a different person during the uh, Billy Graham crusade. Now, Donna was already a follower of Jesus Christ. Is Donna here? She didn't make it this morning. Donna was already a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and Donna loved the Lord, and Donna wanted to do what Christ was calling her to do, and she heard God say, I want you to share with people my forgiveness and love. And she took the challenge during the Billy Graham crusade, and she started sharing with everybody who Jesus was in, his, in her life and how Jesus had changed her life. And all of a sudden, people began to respond to Donna to the Spirit of God at work in Donna. Some of you didn't take that challenge. Let me challenge you again. It will change you if you share with someone else the love of Christ. They call it prophecy. And not only will it change you, it'll change what happens here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul begins to write, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Boy, that's scary stuff, isn't it? But listen to the response. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Have you experienced the power of the Spirit of God this morning? Convicting you, laying you bare, calling you to the next step. Have you bowed down in worship and said, Lord, I believe that you are really here. And I want to worship you. I want to follow you. Are you listening for God's voice? Are you responding to Him? It's done in worship. It's done as we worship Him together.
It happened this morning. The Spirit of God came to meet with us. Scripture says where two or more are gathered in His name. He is there. He's here this morning. The Spirit of God is at work this morning. Have you heard His voice? And are you going to share it with somebody else? I pray this morning that we would all prophesy. Some people say, well, I've been to churches where the Spirit of God is at work. They, they speak in tongues. Praise God. I'm glad they speak in tongues. But the Apostle Paul is very clear that speaking in tongues is, is a nice gift, but it's nothing compared to sharing the love of God through your words and through your actions. It's called prophecy. And by the way, prophecy wasn't just words, was it? Do, do you remember? Uh, Ezekiel, for instance? He did all kinds of weird things. Laid on his side for a number of days, and then on his other side for a number of days. And people walked by and said, man, this guy is nuts. What's he doing? And then he would share with them, I did this because God called me to do this. Because God's going to do a great thing amongst the people of Israel. You see how that works? As you begin to live for Christ, people are going to come and ask you, why did you do that? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why is it you're different? Why don't you join in in the crass things that go on at, at, at our workplace? Why is it that you treat people kindly who, who are mean to you? Why is it that you're different than everyone else? And you will be able to prophesy. You will say, because I serve a God who loves you. Prophecy begins to transform you by the Spirit of God. As the Spirit speaks through you, you begin to find new strength, new power, new hope. You begin to be transformed. And lastly, I hope that you see <coughs> that spiritual transformation brings a new person. A new person. You are changed. We're told that that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. As you begin to be transformed spiritually, your mind is no longer set on earthly things. It begins to be set on heavenly things. What is God doing? What is the Spirit of God wanting in my life? And that begins to transform you. Uh, Samuel said to, to Saul, he said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Why? Because God is with you. And as you begin to seek the Spirit's transformation in your life, you begin to seek what He's doing. And you begin to jump on board. And as you begin to jump on board, you begin to change. And this is what you become. You become a new person a different person. You become a child of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the, say it with me, children of God. Come on, wake up. All right, it's time to wake up. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. You are a child of God. You're His child. And when He looks at you, He looks at you as a child. And the Scripture says, as the Father pities His children, so the Lord has mercy upon us. Isn't that awesome? You are a new person. 
You are changed. You are transformed. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. If you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, you become more and more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way, you are, if, you are, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. All right, now I know that you just went through uh, the, the winter process and today it snowed. And you're thinking, oh man, is this ever going to end? And you're sitting there saying, you know, life has become the same old, same old, same old. Well, i got good news for you, because this morning the Spirit of God wants to come into your life and begin to transform you. The power of God wants to come into your life, and He's calling you just simply to submit to Him, to say, okay, Jesus, I've tried to do it my way all this time. I'm going to try to do it your way. And as you begin to try to do it His way, as you begin to be open to His Spirit, then all of a sudden you begin to see that He gives you opportunities to share His love and His grace and to transform your life by transforming your speech and your mind. You begin to think of things that Jesus would do. You begin to do things Jesus would do. You begin to react in ways that Jesus would react. And all of a sudden you've become a child of the Almighty God. It's a spiritual transformation. It happened to the disciples. It happened to Saul. It could happen to you. Your life need not be drum, ho-hum, boring. Your life need not be a, a, a spiral downward, but rather your life could be a spiral upward if you would offer your life to the Spirit of God this morning. It begins with your relationship with Jesus. And it continually transforms you until you become just like Him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank You for our time this morning and for a chance to, to share Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You have come to share the love, the grace, and the mercy of our God. And that You have revealed that by Your death on the cross forgiving us for our sin, taking our sin from us, taking those things that separate you and, and us from each other and drawing us into your presence. Father, we pray this morning that those who have not said yes to you would say yes to you this morning, that they would be willing to submit to you and begin this life of transformation that, that will make them different than everybody else. A child of yours. Lord, help us to be aware of Your Spirit this morning. The power of Your grace. Lord, help us to be aware of Your Spirit this morning. Help us to hear Your voice. And to share what we hear with each other. Lord, help us to be aware of Your Spirit this morning. As You change us, we have a hard time changing, Lord. You know that oh so well. Help us this morning to be different because of Your Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.